a group of nudists who are dedicated to their in-the-buff lifestyle, are forced to close their camp by local religious fanatics. Rather than succumb to the churchgoers' pressure, the nudists commit a ritualistic mass suicide, but not before vowing to avenge their fate upon the Holy Rollers. After the camp closure, the former skin zone is converted into a religious retreat area for not-so-religious teenagers. When the retreaters and their counselors pay a visit, the scantily clad zombies seek their revenge, and their victims begin meeting their maker in less-than-typical fashion. This campy comedy horror film is filled with a lively, upbeat musical score that is right out of Little Shop of Horrors and Michael Jackson's Thriller. The non-stop spoofs, frights, and laughs make it a whole nudist colony of fun. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the The B-Movie Bros. Here are the B-Movies to the best of our abilities. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. Welcome back. Um, It is September. We've been away for a couple months. And we come back to you with Musical Month. This is pretty much season two of B-Movie Bros, and man, do we have a really great start to this. And the movie we're starting with is the 1991 musical Nudist Colony of the Dead. You heard what the back of the VHS box art had to say. Let's dive right into the ship with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three of this movie. Paul, what would you like to start with? Let's start off on a positive note to begin the season. All right, you want to do your top? Sure, why not? For number three... I put the character Mrs. Struple. She's this really old leader of the nudist, and she's got these, like, saggy, like, really fake, like, papier-mâché tits she just slaps people in the face with. They're like pool noodles. It's hilarious. And she's got the best lines in the entire movie. Like, the best lines, in all honesty, were in the first five minutes of it when she's in the courtroom just, like, yelling at people and calling them names. It's glorious. For number two, for a musical, most of the songs, surprisingly the majority of them, were actually really funny and catchy. Like, rarely do I see a musical where I'm like, all right, like, I like almost all the songs. Like, normally there's a couple where I'm like, that sucked, and like, at least, um, I'd say at least a quarter of them I don't like. But this one, I'd say about 80% of them were really funny. And for number one, the dialogue in this movie was hilarious. And it lasted throughout the entire film. You really, at any point in the movie, only had to wait a few minutes to get another witty exchange of dialogue. It was surprisingly well done. What do you got, Corey? For me, number three, the camp that the kids go to is called Camp Cut Your Guts Out. Like, seriously, who comes up with a name like that? Cut Your Guts Out. Is there anything more telling to what's going to happen at this camp than the name? Like, it's not like Friday the 13th, Camp Crystal Lake. Oh, that sounds nice. It sounds scenic. Like the lake, it's crystalline in features and clear and beautiful. No, Camp, cut your guts out. You're going to get your guts fucking cut out. I don't understand. Sounds pretty nice to me. I mean, I'd send my kids to Camp, cut your guts out. Number two, the music in this movie is all over the place, and I really like that. No two songs, except for the Rangers rap and the reprise of that later on, sound the same. They're all unique. You know, even though some of them aren't very good, they're pretty bad. Some of them are really good and really catchy. You know, it just works for this movie, and I like that they took that risk of making things different and not sticking with one style. Yeah, if you can say one thing about this movie, they definitely tried to see what worked and what didn't, and surprisingly, most of it seemed to work. Number one for me is that in the end, the nudists win. 
even though the one girl does get away, the nudists get their land back. And that's all they really wanted to begin with was a place where they could be at peace with themselves and with nature. They just didn't want to be bothered. And to kill the zealots, but that's just an ad bonus. Well, that was, that was an after effect. Well, we said what was the best. How about the worst? The bottom three. For number three, the audio and visual quality of this movie was poor, to say the least. It's not really fair criticism, considering that this is a low-budget film. However, it did detract from the overall experience somewhat, especially when, you get, when the sound would just kind of skip at random times. Now, I know this is a VHS to DVD copy that we have, but still, I imagine the VHS version wasn't much better. For number two, some of the ongoing jokes throughout the film were just kind of dumb and really not funny at all. Some examples of this were the talking severed heads. There was this um, half-Asian Mexican guy, which was just kind of dumb. That was the actual joke with him, too, that his mother was Mexican and his father was Japanese. Yeah, and the jokes were just like how he said things weird or he'd get mad at stuff. and And he would switch between having, like, a Hispanic accent and an Asian accent at random. Yeah, it just, it didn't work. I It felt like they were trying way too hard with that one. And even some of the jokes I found funny at the beginning, like the, um, there were these two, these two rednecks, um, I think they were a gay couple, but they had some great dialogue exchanges, and there was this guy who would quote, like, fake Bible verses that were just hilarious. As the movie progressed, those got less and less funny when you realize that they're kind of just telling the same joke over and over again. The box art did say about romance, and that's that's the only thing I could think of with romance would be those two characters. The first inbred gay uh, couple in a movie. Uh, yeah. they're, they're playing strip rock, paper, scissors during the movie. Come on now. For number one, even though most of the songs were hilarious, the ones that were bad were really fucking terrible. There was this one song where the kids were singing about like how they don't care if they get killed and you know, they're going to face the zombies. It wasn't catchy or creative. The lines were really forced. Most of the other songs were creative. They had great lines that worked well. They stayed on topic. This one was kind of all over the place, and it's not really fun to listen to. And it just went on way too long. And there's this other song about Satan and how they're going to fight him, and it was just dumb. There was nothing good about it. It wasn't catchy. It wasn't fun. And I just couldn't wait till it ended. For my bottom three. Number three. The fucking cross-gag scene in the movie. It was one of those physical comedy bits where the one mom is packing for her daughter to go away to camp, cut your guts out. And she's pulling every cross down from the room. There's crosses on the walls. There's crosses in drawers. And then she opens up the closet. And then there's a fucking cross. It's like twice the size of the old lady. And she sets it on top of the suitcase. Like this girl is going to carry it to her own crucifucking fiction. Never know when you might need to crucify somebody. I completely understand. Number two. Why aren't the nudists nude? When they come back from the dead, they conveniently are wearing leaf you know, speckled underwear and bras to cover up their private areas. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of them being nudists? I understand. It's the irony. It's a joke in the movie. You know, in the court scene, they talked about Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve wore leaves to cover up, and yada, yada, yada. But you know what? It misses the point. They're nudists. They should be nude. 
I don't think that's irony. I think it's just dumb. I guess they gained a sense of uh, modesty when they were in hell. Well, did, they, did they eat an apple? Did Satan give them an apple? Did they lose the battle with Satan? Number one. Now, for this being in the bottom three at number one, there was a character whose name was Fanny Wipe. And Fanny Wipe, from her name to the songs that she started and sang to her fucking personality, was a goddamn mistake. Her parents should have had her aborted. That aborted fetus would have provided more entertainment in this piece of shit than she did. You get it? Fanny Wipe, like, ass wipe. <laughs> yeah. She was terrible. Get her out of this movie. It would be better. She's the one that started the Don't Kill Me, I'm Not Scared of the Being Dead song. She sang the Fight with Satan song. The two worst songs in the movie were her fault. And she cries a lot and is just really annoying. Unforgivable. So yeah, those are the uh, the top and bottom three. But you know what? Since it is musical month, let's go just one step further. And let's give the top and bottom song of this movie. Paul, what did you have to think? For the best song in this movie, I had to go with um, Inky Dinky Doodah. This song was really catchy. It's basically just the kids singing about, like, the Bible and, like, purity and shit like that. And it's the only song I where the, all the kids are alive and kind of have something to do. Even the characters who are just there to stand in the background and die kind of contributed. Like, they danced and, like, added to the song a little bit. That was—I liked that. There's even a montage in it of, like, the kids just doing camp stuff and shit like that. The uh, two rednecks trying to play frisbee. That was pretty funny. I felt like this song really encapsulated the silliness, the sarcastic, and the fun, really non-serious nature of the movie. Although I do think that was the most catchy song in the movie, I think I have to give the best song to the Ranger rap. Because whenever they get to the camp and the ranger tells everybody what happened and why he thinks they should leave, it explains the whole background of the camp and what's gone on in the past years. And they do it in a cool music video style that's really reminiscent of the early 90s, late 80s. This is where you see that thriller-esque part of the movie. And it really does foreshadow what's going to happen. It has the biggest impact on the rest of the movie, and it's the only song that gets a reprise later on. Parker Ranger was a great character. I, I wish he had a bigger role throughout the movie. He was he was great. It was also the most unique of the songs, at least in my opinion. Yeah, they kind of changed the style a little bit with that one. How about the worst song? What was the worst song? Oh, uh, God. The worst song in this movie was the death song, where the kids are just in the van, just singing about like how they're embracing the fact that they're going to die. It was long. It was annoying. It was uncreative. It was just... Ah, it made my fucking ears bleed. It was terrible. Yeah, I have to agree. That was definitely the worst song in the movie. Not only did it go on too long, but it was also super loud. Yeah, we, we have watched this movie before, so when that song came on, I actually muted the TV because I was afraid of the neighbors, like, calling the cops. Yeah, what's worse is I think the song before that, that one was um, Inky Dinky Doodah, which is, in, in my opinion, the best one in the movie. And then you hear that, it's like, ah, how do you go from a great song to such a piece of shit? It just it completely fails. Yeah, it was just terrible on every level. Enough about the songs. How about we get into a little bit of a quote war? Paul, how about you kick it off? Your assholes are so tight, you need a crowbar to help you shit. 
The Bible says, He who turneth the other cheek need more toilet paper. Jeremiah, verse 9, Rocky 4. Are you aware of what our sons and daughters are doing in the back of their automobiles with their male dangly parts and their female squishy organs? Speak without lust in your heart, and ye speak limply. Psalm 13, chapter 16, mobile 1. Remember, your children can't praise the Lord if they have genitals in their mouths. The Bible says, Carry thee always with thine eyes, and I shall thusly pledge. Matthew chapter 17, verse 3, Oceans 11. I don't fornicate, I don't masturbate, I don't even punctuate. The Bible says, Cast thee not stones, unless thee be stoned. Luke chapter 5, verse 3, Seagram 7. That ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you would like to comment on it, you could comment here on SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook at B-Movie, space B-R-O-S, that's B-Movie Bros. Tweet us at B-Movie Bros, or Paul directly at B-Movie Paul. You could tell us your favorite quote, who won this episode's Quote War, or anything you like or dislike about Nudist Colony of the Dead. Let's get on with our final take of this movie. We're going to give this a movie a score on our shot scale. Remember, our shot scale is a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this movie? Paul, a number score, what did you give it? It was movie a 4 out of 10. I gave it a 3 out of 10. What did you have to say about it? Nudist Colony of the Dead was a surprisingly fun movie to watch. The songs were catchy, the dialogue was witty, and the exaggerated characters and this lack of seriousness made for a really fun viewing experience. Unfortunately, this movie relied on the same jokes over and over, which eventually got annoying. It also suffered from a common problem with musicals, which is when a song isn't fun, it takes up too large a proportion of the movie, as opposed to just a regular movie where if you have a bad scene, it normally doesn't last more than, like, a few minutes. The low quality and visual effects didn't help either, even though they were completely um, understandable considering the low budget of the film. This is a type of movie that you go into thinking, I can't believe this even exists, and you're not really sure what to expect. But then you walk out thinking, hey, this wasn't half bad. I would definitely recommend it, even if just to say, I just watched a movie called Nudist Colony of the Dead. I gave this movie a 3 out of 10 because Nudist Colony of the Dead starts with a badass intro song. And if you listen to the lyrics, you can tell this movie isn't supposed to be taken seriously. The movie is just one joke after another, both physically and in dialogue. The audio and video quality are surprisingly good for the caliber of movie that this is. The songs are all made in different styles, ranging from pleasantly catchy to why the fuck are my ears being fucked by a fucking cactus. The deaths are varied, as are the characters, and this really does mix together with the fun dialogue and the 83-minute runtime to make this a fantastically entertaining, terrible movie fantastically entertaining, terrible movie. That's the That really is the best way to sum this movie up. And that's why it got a 4 out of 10 from Paul and a 3 out of 10 from me. Now, we know not everyone likes to watch the same kind of shit that we do, so we like to give every B movie we review an A movie companion to tell you why this movie is the same as a particular A movie. Paul, what'd you give it? I picked The Hills Have Eyes from 2006. Not the original, because I never actually saw the original. I picked the 2013 film The Green Inferno. Why did you pick The Hills Have Eyes? Both movies started out with the characters going camping. Both movies take place in secluded areas. The Hills Have Eyes took place in the middle of a desert, and Nudist Colony of the Dead took place in the middle of the woods. 
The antagonists of both films were what would be considered undesirable portions of the overall population. The Hills Have Eyes featured people mutated by radiation from a nuclear testing site as well as, you know, years of inbreeding. And Nudist Colony of the Dead featured the reanimated corpses of a nudist colony. And the people in both films, for the most part, didn't really deserve to be killed. The family in The Hills Have Eyes weren't responsible for the radiation that caused the people in the area to become mutants, and I didn't really get the impression that they encouraged the um, inbreeding either. And in Nudist Colony of the Dead, although the adults were somewhat responsible for the nudists killing themselves, the worst crimes that the kids committed were just being fucking annoying. Well, I had to say that this movie is the same movie as The Green Inferno, because in both movies, groups of kids go away with intentions of bettering something, whether it's themselves or the world. Both groups of kids end up being stranded in the woods. One by one, these kids are picked off by the natives of the land, whether they be, you know, native forest-dwelling people or native nudist zombies. The adults in both movies are horrendous assholes and hypocrites. In The Green Inferno, Alejandro did everything for money, not for the betterment of mankind, which he claimed. And in Nudist Colony of the Dead, the old white woman who is a chaperone has Benoit balls, which we can suppose are used for sexual activities, which she says are forbidden. In both movies, the natives are wearing nearly nothing. Both movies had me begging for characters to die. In The Green Inferno, I wanted them all to die within the first five minutes. In this movie, I wanted Fanny Wipe to die within five minutes of her introduction. Both movies do feature dismemberment scenes. In the end, there is one true survivor. And the natives win in both cases. Whether it's the nudists actually getting their land, or the natives in the Green Inferno having lies told about them so they're not executed for killing and eating people. And that's why The Hills Have Eyes 2006 and The Green Inferno from 2013 are just A-movie versions of Nudist Colony of the Dead. I feel like Nudist Colony of the Dead is just one big metaphor for something that I'm not creative or smart enough to get. Maybe anyone listening to this has some commentary on that, but I feel there's like a deep political meaning behind the nudist um, and the zombies and all that shit. You know how we might be able to get to that plane, Paul? How's that? By doing a little thing called drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. So we're going to give you some drinking games to help you get through this movie or reach that higher plane of existence that lets you see the philosophy behind it. For me, number one, any times there are boobs on screen, take a drink. Number two, whenever a murder occurs, take a drink. Number three, whenever there's a fake Bible quote, take a drink. Number four, whenever the reanimation scene happens for the nudist zombies, finish your drink. And number five, because it's musical month, of course, any time a song starts, take a drink. Number one, every time the adults call the kids sinners or talk about them having sex or doing drugs... Take a drink. Every time the two rednecks talk amongst themselves, especially when it involves taking a shit, take a drink. Every time a severed head talks, take a drink. And every time Mrs. Drupal smacks someone with her sagging tits, take a drink. 
Those are your ways to drink away this flick. If you would like to join us next week as we continue Musical Month, we'll be taking a look at the 1993 release, Cannibal the Musical. And if you have any questions, comments, or answers for us or suggestions on other movies, you can leave them here on SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook at B-Movie, space B-R-O-S, that's B-Movie Bros. Tweet us at B-Movie Bros or Paul directly at B-Movie Paul. For anything in the Pittsburgh area, you can check out our friends over at riversedgepgh.com. So until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, be back next week.